What's going on, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the Basketball Studios Podcast. I am your host, Brett, and on today's episode, as you see by the title, we are going to be talking about The Last Dance. Uh, it's going to be a little review over episodes one and two. Um, I think after like every like two episodes that come out, so you know like how every single Sunday there's going to be, you know, there was one and two, now, then there's going to be three and four, the next Sunday, uh, you know, five and six. After every single one, maybe a couple days after, I might just post like my thoughts on uh the the duo episodes that come out and yeah i was super excited about this documentary i'm happy you know that they released it early during this whole quarantine yada 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 and i mean let's just get right into like all my thoughts so for one i think you know later on it's gonna even get way more interesting i think episodes one and two was just a really good setup for the next eight um i think you know after episode one which for okay i want to say this and I bet a lot of you guys can relate. Whenever I watched episode one and two, like after it was all done, I did not realize I sat on my couch and looked at my and looked at my TV for two hours. Like it felt like fifteen minutes that was in front of my TV. Like I watched a movie's worth of content. Yeah, I feel like it just went by so fast. I feel like, I mean, for one, this this documentary has been in the works for years, so they had a lot of time to make it really good. But man, like. This could easily go down. Like, I haven't seen too many sport documentaries, but just by the looks of this, like, with how interesting it is and how much demand there was for it, and it seems like there's a lot of drama that we're going to find out about. Either it's between Scotty and Michael Jordan's relationship, because it's kind of weird how Scotty Pippen sat out um, due to his, like, feeling of being used on that team and pretty much saying that he wasn't going to play on the Bulls anymore, and yet he comes back for the next season. So it's going to be interesting to see, like, what made him come back, if it was the media, if it was Michael, if it was Phil. Um, it's going to be pretty interesting. But, you know, we got to talk about Jerry Krause. The most, you know, the kind of the memes of Carol Baskin and Jerry Krause being the two most hated people during this whole quarantine. Um, man, for one, obviously none of us like him, but two, you have to admit, this dude was a savage. He told Phil Jackson, somebody that won many rings with the Chicago Bulls team, told Phil Jackson, I don't care if you win 82 games straight, this is your last season. You can make NBA history and have the best record of all time. This is your last season with this franchise. That is a savage move. You know, I kind of like how Phil Jackson uh, kind of handled the situation. It was more of like, there's nothing I can do about it, but what am I going to do? Throw this year away, or am I going to make this the best last year possible? And, you know, other players on the Bulls could tell that the whole dynasty was falling apart because it was at the time where players were starting to hit the end of their primes. They maybe had a good three years, two years left of their prime, but Jerry Cross wanted to rebuild. I thought it was super funny in the documentary how like Michael Jordan knew like he couldn't really get in trouble or get suspended because the Bulls needed him. So he just said whatever he wanted to, to Jerry Cross. Now I know, I don't know if they maybe portrayed it as in Michael just totally hated the guy during that, like during that time. Because they said that, you know, Jerry Cross was what the owner of the Bulls for like the past eight years. So maybe it could have been a little bit more of a friendly roast. But I mean, also, I can definitely see how it was just him hating him and knowing that he could get really get away with anything because he was Michael Jordan. He was pretty much the king of sports at the time. Um, but yeah, I love how he was like, you know, what was it? We might have to have a dunk contest. We might have to play horse, whatever it was. We might have to do one on one, but I'll make sure that you have like a lower rim. Um, are you on a diet? Like he was kind of just making fun of his weight, his height. 
it was funny. It was it was, it was pretty funny, and there was a clip that came out. Um, it was like a little snippet of I don't think it was in the documentary, but I'm pretty sure it was just somebody on Instagram found it and posted it. How Michael Jordan during his Hall of Fame speech, kind of like. I think Jerry Cross was sitting there during his speech and he was just like, I don't know why this dude's here. I did not invite him. I do not like him. Like he just said that to the whole crowd, just like looking at Jerry Cross while he was talking, which that's baller, man. I mean, if you think about today's world of social media and everything, there's a lot of keyboard warriors that won't say it to your face in real life. Like it's not like Michael was just throwing shade and talking all this crap on Jerry Krause. Like he said it, he said it with a whole crowd of people while looking at the guy. That's just how much he didn't like him. And that's how much, that's how real Michael Jordan is and was. Um, a big talk. Oh, I just banged into the desk. I hope you guys didn't, uh, you know, your headphones didn't get rattled by it or whatever. Um, a big, I wouldn't say debate, but I would say a whole conversation is I mentioned earlier about Scottie Pippen, but Scottie Pippen's contract. Um, he was a promising player. He could have got a lot more money. Yeah. He signed a seven year, $18 million contract. Now let's put this in like today's NBA terms. He was making about $2.5 million a year, give or take. For seven years, which I know inflation, you know, I understand all that. But if that was Scotty Pippett's contract in today's NBA, for one, I don't think you can sign a seven year contract. Like it's I think it's five. Like the max you can sign is five years, and that's if it's a contract extension. But if you're a free agent, the most you can sign with a different team is four. So um seven years, eighteen million dollars. Otto Porter Jr. Isn't he making like $20 million a year for averaging about 15 points a game on one of the worst teams in the NBA, a.k.a. the Chicago Bulls? Yeah, he's a good role player, will never be an all-star, yet he's making $18 million a year. Scottie Pippen, if he was playing in today's NBA with $2.5 million, he would be getting the veterans minimum. Like, that is insane how low of a contract that is. Like, I know he said that he wanted to have like a guarantee to feed his family, to, you know... Man, I could either do four years for twice as much, but if I get hurt, then all that money's gone. Or I could do seven seven years and have $18 million guaranteed. I guess that's smart, but like, he knows he probably couldn't negotiate that a little bit. And it's worth a try. If I was you know, in that front office, if I was a promising player, if I knew that I had the, the capability of making twice as much money, three times, four times as much money, because they could have offered him you know, four times as much money as he was getting because afterwards he signed with the Portland Trailblazers. I think it was a five year, $63 million deal, but he could have negotiated that a little bit, like maybe a five year, 32 million. Like I know that's, I don't know. I understand injury and what can happen with players, but I, I just feel man, seven years. That's which, okay. Granted $2.5 million a year for any human being is amazing. Let's not get that twisted. Like, I hate whenever people are like, we need to go do a GoFundMe for Scottie Pippen. Like, okay, the guy was making $2.5 million a year. Like, that's 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 definitely a one percenter in today's society. Anyway, um, but it was it was weird, that whole um, thing with Jerry that he had where he would get on the bus and just start cussing the guy out. Like, we never really thought of that side of Scottie. Like, we always thought of Scottie kind of just being, I wouldn't say Kawhi because Kawhi's you know, has way less emotion, but Scotty Pippen's just a very laid back guy. Like kind of just as, as to what we kind of see stays to himself. Like he seems calm. He's not too expressive. He doesn't, he doesn't seem like I said, I don't know what he's like behind closed doors, but he doesn't seem to be the most extroverted guy ever. So it's weird that you would just hop on a bus and just start yelling at somebody. But I mean, I guess if you got seven years, you know, locked down, you, you have that, you have that, uh, authority to kind of do that. Um, 
And then there was Larsa Pippen. Now, I don't know. I couldn't 100% tell if this was a shot at Scotty, which I kind of feel like it was because I know they're not together anymore after the whole future thing. Um, I'm pretty sure everybody knows about Larsa Pippen in future. If not, just look it up. I don't feel like going on about five minutes about that. Um, but she posted something like, guys, stop acting like he hasn't made any money. Um, this is here. This is his uh, career earnings. It was, I think, $109 million that Scotty Pippen has made over his entire career. Yes, but Larsa, we're talking about his contract with the Chicago Bulls. We're not counting in his Portland Trailblazers money because that wasn't a thing whenever Scotty Pippen signed the seven-year deal with the Bulls. Scotty Pippen, whenever he signed that seven-year $18 million, did not know he was going to get a five-year $63 million deal afterwards with the Portland Trailblazers. Like, it seemed kind of like she was saying, oh, stop feeling bad for the guy. He's made a lot of money. But does she not understand how, like, the NBA contracts work? Like, seven years, $18 million for what they got out of Scotty? They got so they got rings out of Scotty. Michael couldn't do it by himself, which is not a, like that's that's not me knocking Michael. Like nobody can really do it by themselves. Like yes, LeBron gets to the finals with J.R. Smith, but guess who guess who loses? LeBron. Like you can't a hundred percent do it by yourself. Basketball is a team sport. So they got they got so much value. They got I mean Scotty Pippen was a max player. So what I don't like though is how the documentary kind of portrayed Scotty Pippen as being that they were like that's such. They were, you know, whenever it clips to like not a black screen or whatever screen it was and gives you like text, it was like Scottie Pippen was making this being the second best player in today's NBA. That I was like, you know, Hakeem Olajuwon was also a person in the NBA at the time, too. Like, there was Isaiah Thomas on the Pistons. And I don't really know exactly what year, but I know for a fact Scottie Pippen was not the second best player in the league. Not saying he wasn't good, not saying he wasn't above average. He was an all star, of course. Top 10, possibly. Top 15, most definitely. But was he the second best player in the NBA at that time? I just don't really buy that. Like I said, I don't I don't want to go to years and be like, well, Keem, and then you're like, well, you sucked in 1991. I don't even know if Keem was in the NBA in 1991, to be exact. But I just know, I just don't think Scottie Pippen was the second best player in the league. I think that was kind of them just trying to emphasize, like, he was making a low amount of money for being a really good player. I don't think they should have gone to the extreme of he was making so little money as the second best guy. He was 122nd in the league in salary. There was 121 players above him being the second best player. I don't buy second best player. I'm not going to go with second best player. Yet, I do believe he could have made double, triple the amount of money that he was offered. Of course. Of course. He was worth it. Like, if you're a top 20 player in the NBA, they will throw a max contract at you. Look at Chris Middleton. Bucks gave that dude a max, and he's debatably top twenty. So I'm not I'm not trying to knock anything from Scotty. All I'm saying is I don't believe that he was right behind Michael Jordan in the NBA at the time. Um, man, what else? What else? What else? The the whole story of Michael Jordan. See, I know there was there was two hours long of content, and I feel like a lot of things went by fast. So there's probably bits and pieces of information I'm missing. Like, yes, I'll acknowledge it was savage of. Michael Jordan not to sign somebody's thing. Like, I know you guys want me to mention that stuff, but I'm kind of more going of like overall the main details. Um, you know, I thought, I thought people were kind of portraying Michael Jordan, which I, I believe if somebody says he wasn't a good teammate, I know he probably wasn't the best, but at the time, if you watch that, there's a, if you watch that one little 
maybe a minute and a half sequence of him just yelling at guys at practice, a lot of people will be like, oh, that's him being a bad teammate. He's being mean to his teammates. In my opinion, I feel like he's just trying to push his teammates as, look, I want to win. If you guys want to win, I'm not liking your effort right now. And he will call him out for it, which is what a leader is supposed to do. He wasn't saying, oh, you suck as an NBA player. He was saying, Tony Kukoc, I'm setting a screen on you because you can't get around him. If you really want it bad, fight around a screen. Stuff like that. You know you, you know what I'm saying. Like I feel like he was almost saying, you need to work harder. It wasn't, it wasn't so much of, oh, you're a bad NBA player. Um, it didn't seem like he was, oh, I'm so much better than you. It didn't seem like he was trying to show his um, – I, I, you guys understand what I'm trying to say. I, I think it was kind of cool. It was definitely Kobe-like, which obviously Kobe probably took it from Michael whenever Kobe was in practice with Sasha Vucevic and was like, hit me one more time, almost like pushing the limits, like, oh, touch me one more time and see what's going to happen. Obviously, Kobe wasn't going to like punch the guy. He was just trying to test you know, his teammates' mental toughness. Kobe always said that. Um, if there's new teammates he had, or if he didn't really know exactly what the mentality of that teammate was, um, he would, he would always say, I'm going to throw you in the water and see if you sink or swim. So, you know, I think that's what Michael was really doing. I don't think it was him really trying to be a tough guy. I think he was just saying, you know, what's the mental toughness of my teammates, which is all good. Um, and especially like people think of teammates as like somebody you see like once a day, you have to think like, if you're an NBA player, this is their job. This is somebody that they're always around. So it's not as we. It's not like he's just talking to strangers like this, you know. I don't know. Everybody has their opinion on that whole teammate stuff. Um, but I think Michael Jordan, that whole him coming back from that foot injury, was dope. It was crazy seeing the politics of how the coach would have been fired if he went over the 14 minute restriction. How, like, Michael hit his 14 minutes, like, right with like 30 seconds left in the game. And they were down by like one point or they're up by one point. I don't know the whole details. It was a close game. They needed Michael inside of the game, but the coach would have been fired if he kept him in for one more second. So he got taken out. It's crazy. Um, And it's weird to see. I I don't want to bring this up, but for the fact that Michael Jordan with that foot injury played at North Carolina for that amount of time kind of shows you why, you know, LeBron might be uh, an MVP candidate 17 years in. Just saying, just throwing that out there. And I'll get to the whole LeBron and Jordan debate later. I'm not going to debate anything, by the way. I'm just going to say how much I don't like the whole, how how this is sparking up now. Um, I think something I think I think something that was shown with like the whole media too is whenever Scottie Pippen was injured and the Bulls had, were like four and four at the start, zero oh and four. Like it seemed like the media was like, "Oh, the Bulls suck now. Michael can't do it by himself." Yeah, if the second best player on the team is out. And you're starting the season without him. Of course, it's gonna. Of course, it's gonna take some getting used to not having somebody in the game. Like, if they go for an zero and four start or a four and four, no matter what start they have, if they're zero and seven, yeah, that's gonna happen. They they need to get adjusted. It happens all the time in sports. Whenever LeBron went to the Cavs, even with Kyrie and Kevin Love being healthy, I think they their first forty games they were, uh, um, maybe a game game or two above or game or two less than 500 i remember at one time they were like 19 and 21 so i would say two games below 500 whenever he went to that team everybody was healthy they were below 500 halfway through yet next thing you know the next season same exact squad wins a championship and that in that same season whenever he went there whenever they struggled they went to the nba finals against the Golden state warriors yet they lost 
but you know teams can turn it around i think media was just hopping the gun way too much it's a good story to have though you know oh michael can't do it by himself which this this documentary kind of makes you realize how michael jordan didn't really have that many teammates like it, it's it kind of shows like he had scotty and then once you take Scotty away, what's Dennis Rodman going to do for you but play defense and get rebounds? Like, there's not a second scoring option. Yes, there's Steve Kerr that might make, you know, a couple three-pointers, but there's nobody else to create a shot for themselves. Um, and that's, like I said, that's not, taking it, that's not taking anything away from Dennis Rodman either. But if you look at it from the base, Dennis Rodman was not a good offensive player in any way, shape, or form. He didn't have post moves. He couldn't do a fadeaway. He couldn't do a pick and pop. He just... I mean, he would dunk it. If, if he's going to get a point, he's going to dunk it. And it's kind of hard to just go up and dunk every single play in the NBA. Um, not saying I would know, but I'd imagine, you know. Um, plus, Dennis Rodman was undersized. So it's like Michael was kind of out there on his own. He was kind of the only person that could score on the on the whole entire team. So it kind of just shows you Michael never really had the all-star teammates. He did, he wasn't like Steph where you have Clay Thompson, Draymond, Kevin Durant, and DeMarcus Cousins for a season. Like it was never like that. Michael never really had the super team. Yes, he had uh Scottie Pippen, Dennis Rodman, both all-stars, yet he just had good maybe some good role players like Tony Kukoc, good role player, not like a perennial all-star. Same with Steve Kerr, good role player, of course never a perennial all-star, just a really good three-point shooter. Uh but I thought it was funny. I, you know, this whole documentary watching it, I've been wanting to buy some Jordans for a while. Like I am a sneakerhead. Um, I just, uh, you know, now that you get a job, you get money, you just want to start buying, just want to start buying everything that you couldn't whenever you didn't have a job. So I was going on StockX. I was like, man, I just want to get some bread 11, some Concord 11s, and maybe a pair of like ones and threes or fours. Like I've been kind of ready to just get a nice little Jordan collection going. Of course, I like the classic colorways. Like it's just dope seeing Michael Jordan on the floor with Concord Elevens. I want to be like, "Yo, I want a pair of those." Um, so I went on StockX, and it turned out too many people were on the site. Now there is, there was, it was smart on Jordan's part to release the Jordan Fives. Um, I forgot exactly what they called them, but they're like mainly white, uh, black midsole, and then red trimming. I don't know exactly what they were called, but they dropped a Jordan Five right whenever the documentary came out. It was unexpected; like nobody knew that was going to drop, yet it just dropped. So the uh, StockX app just crashed, um, which is kind of funny. And I also think a lot of people were just trying to buy Jordans at the time, too. Like whenever you watch it and you see like those vintage Chicago Bulls warm-ups and you see those sweatpants, you just want to go on MitchellNest.com and just buy the $150 warm-up that they had back then. Like it just makes you want to like, I mean, you know the whole saying, I want to be like Mike. <laughs> like, you know, it, it's, it's just a thing. Um so yeah, I, I definitely, definitely want to get into buying some Jordans and who knows, I might keep them on ice. I'm not somebody to buy a pair of shoes and just like have them sit on a wall and never wear them. Like I always want to wear my shoes. I'm not the type to just throw them in a the box and keep them there. So they're icy clean in 20 years. Like I do want to wear them, but it's like, yo, if I get a pair of Concord 11s, I don't want that blue midsole to, I don't want that blue outsole that, that nice icy sole to, to get yellow, but it's gotta happen. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know what, what really, like, other, uh, see, I know I'm doing these uhs, and you guys are going to find out that, like, at some, I'm just, I'm done, like, recording a podcast for, like, 25 minutes, and then having to listen to myself for another 25, 
to 45 minutes because I'm cutting stuff and making turning stuff up. Like I'm just I'm just going to be casual with it. Whatever record I'm once I'm done with this, I'm just going to hit stop and then post. Ah man. But I, I okay, so I do want to touch on the whole. I just people just need to appreciate this documentary for what it is. It's like once this documentary comes out, now everybody's having the LeBron and Jordan debate again. I thought that thing kind. Of, I thought that debate kind of just died out. I think there was a certain point where everybody was like, "All right, there's going to be one person that says Jordan. There's going to be one person that says LeBron," and also for all these people too. Like, for all these 14 year olds and Bucket Center, he posted a perfect tweet about this. But I was like, I, I thought the same exact thing whenever everybody was posting this. How do we exactly know? Like, there's so many people that are oh, there's like these. 13 year olds you, you just you just haven't seen Jordan play you know if you look up some top 20 Jordan highlights just look at what he did and look at his career earnings or like his career stats and career awards and all that like it's hard for someone like me too to just say Jordan's better than LeBron if like I was really never there to witness like 10 years of Jordan's greatness like I'm I'm about to turn 19 so I've been old enough to understand basketball for probably about eight years of LeBron's career. So I've seen him play every single game. I've been there. Well, I haven't seen every single game, but I've been there to understand. If I wanted to turn on LeBron, I can just understand it all. Yes, I know there's Michael Jordan games out there, like full games. Yeah, if you look at NBA.com, like I know they kind of post those retro games that are like two and a half hours long. They're only going to post Michael Jordan's 55-point game or his 42-point game or his 37-point game or his 65, 69, 63, 62 two-point game like of course they're gonna they're they're only gonna post like the best Jordan games ever and if you show if like if if you were to show somebody let's say top 10 highlights if there was somebody on the street that doesn't know what basketball they know what basketball is they don't know who any player is you could convince somebody with a top 10 highlight reel that Stefan Marbury is the best player of all time you could you could just show somebody top ten highlights of J.R. Smith and be like, uh, just so you know, I'm about to show you the best player of NBA history. His name's J.R. Smith. Let me show you his top ten highlights. Top ten highlights, top twenty highlights, top fifty highlights are gonna make any player look like the best player of all time. If I showed you a Michael Jordan fifty five point game, or if I showed you a Damian Lillard fifty five point game, I could convince you that one of the two are the best players of all time. Highlights do not mean that much, people. I can't just be like talking to somebody you know, that doesn't know too much about LeBron and just be like, he's better than Michael Jordan. Let me show you his top 20 highlights. That just doesn't, that, that doesn't justify it. If you don't have any context of who they are and what they've done. And if you're just going off highlights and you're just reading stats, like it's just like, it's hard to really make that debate if you really never watched them play. So like to me, LeBron James is my goat. I'm not saying that to discredit Michael Jordan anyway, but I feel like it's not fair for me to just say Jordan's the better player if I've never seen Jordan play. If I've never been there to watch two seasons of Jordan at his best. Yes, I can look up his 70 point. Well, I know he's never he's his 69 point game yet. Like how how can I I, I, I don't know, especially all these people that are just like Magic Johnson's better than Stephen Curry. How do we how do you really know? Yes, he was a great defender. Yes, he was a great passer passer. Yes, he has all these championship rings and all that. But like. You've never seen the guy play. You've never been there to actually watch him at his prime. Yes, you can look up his top 20 best passes ever. And if you look up Steph's top 20 passes ever, you'll be like, I don't know. I don't know who's a better passer. 
I don't know. I think that's a whole another debate for another time. I kind of want to have a podcast just talking about like what NBA players right now are actually at a basis better than players in the past. Like, is Steph Curry actually better than Magic Johnson all time? Is Kevin Durant actually better than Larry Bird all time? And no, I'm not a Golden State Warriors fan or a Stephen Curry or Kevin Durant fan by any means. I'm not saying they are better, but could they be? Is there a lot of old heads out there that just, like, are too caught up in the past? I don't know. I don't know. Or how about this? How about we just stop comparing and stop having these discussions and just appreciate this documentary and why it's coming out just to re- just to show us the last dance, just to show us Michael Jordan's career. Like once Trey Young posted like, oh, this documentary is going to make you think or this documentary could make Michael the greatest of all time again. It's like, who cares at this point, dude? Like whenever you have these top 10 list. Yeah, I'm going to have another podcast about this because this is a good rant. I know a lot of people probably exited out of this by now, but like. Top 10 list, if you make a top 10 list of NBA history, it's not like number one and number 10 is, like it's not like the best player of all time and the 10th best player of all time is that much of a difference. Like, how many basketball players have there ever been and to be one of the 10 greatest to ever do it? Like, if you're the number 10 best player of all time, you're not that much worse than the number one. It's just maybe a couple more things that made that one person more. And it's all subjective at the end of the day, too. It's not like we have an objective thing. If we want to talk about rings, it'd be Bill Russell. If we want to talk about MVPs, it'll be somebody else. If we want to talk about shooting percentage, it'd be somebody else. Passing somebody else. Defense somebody else. Like, I don't think there's a perfect math equation. Or there could be. Maybe we need to do that. Maybe there needs to be a math equation that comes out of who's the best player of all time. Who did the most in a certain amount of years. They had the most spread out between points, rebounds, assists, deals, blocks, shooting percentage, free throw percentage, three-point percentage. Who has all that at the possible best, you know, I don't know. All right. I'm getting too caught up. Now I just feel like I'm talking in circles. So thank you guys for listening to the Basketball Studios Podcast. Like I said, I am your host, Brett. Uh, Be on the lookout for, you know, the episode three and four review right after that's done. Um, I mean... I, I I need to take him I need to take him Kardashian advice of don't announce anything in business until it's done. So before I just say oh I have all these podcasts coming up I want to actually record them. So yep, and I'm oh I'm sniffing and I'm banging the desk. So that's how this podcast is going to be. Thank you guys all for tuning in. Um, this episode's going to drop on the twenty third. Perfect. I just realized that by looking at my computer screen, that's going to be the 23rd that this drops. It's meant to be. And the month is four, which means the next, and it's four o'clock as like even, which means episode three and four, that podcast might be meant to be. Maybe I'll get 10,000 plays, $300,000 and I can retire myself. All right. See you guys. Peace.